Hey, I'm Amar Chauhan. And I'm Charlotte Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Love, Hate, Create. We speak to the smartest people from across the advertising industry to find out what they love about it, what they hate, and what change they want to create. Our guest today on Love, Hate, Create is Mo Saeed. Mo is originally from Pakistan, but he and his agency, Mojo Supermarket, are based out of New York. He is the founder of the agency. He's also a creative director, and he was at Droga5 and BBDO before founding the agency. They do work for the likes of Stocks, Adidas, um, Netflix, Match, Savage, Xfenty, and... Personally, he's had accolades such as the Forbes 40 Under 40 and 30 Under 30 before that. He's also named on the Adweek Creative 100 list, but arguably the most important and impressive accolade is that Mojo Supermarket was named Ad Age Small Agency of the Year recently. So really excited to have Mo on the podcast. Welcome to Love, Hate, Create. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this. Brilliant. Hi, Mo. So I'm going to just start with a few questions. I mean, first of all, I have to say, following you and your agency on LinkedIn is a a joy. I mean, you're quite funny, the stuff you put out there. And a lot of it, I'd say, pokes a bit of fun at the industry. Um, A bit of a, do you see yourself as a bit of a sort of feisty underdog agency? Um, the intention or, or yeah, tell us. No, I think, you know, I just, we just talk on LinkedIn like we talk at bars when we get together after work, right? So like when, when we all get together after work and we're like, you know, some of this is a little bullshit, right? So like, we just talk like that. We just talk like when nobody's watching, no clients are watching. I think in, at normal agencies, we just don't talk like that because we think something's going to happen. Um, so we're not trying to be like rebellious in mm like in for rebellious sake it just sounds like that because we talk like normal people at like your office bar yeah you sure do you've got a very distinct tone of voice um so tell us i guess to kick things off what mo is your proudest moment in this industry and then what is your lowest point the proudest moment is to be uh the proudest moment has to be we i brought someone on my first hire um when we won small agency of the year she gave a speech and i think that was definitely the proudest moment and she gave a speech when we won anything that they, they do like early people that like i picked up from school anything that anytime they do something amazing and then every anytime that like is a moment for them is i think is the proudest moment but when she got up and gave a speech to the small agency of the year i think i wanted to cry i think that's the oh. proudest moment for sure did you feel like a proud dad yeah, and I also I think less of a a little bit of proud dad, and also just like this I didn't I didn't promise you something wrong like I didn't fail you I'm so I'm so glad. Yeah, um, I like felt for her parents. I'm like, hey, I didn't fuck this up. <laughs> well done. What about your lowest? I think the lowest has to be. Um, I think the lowest has to be being like eight-ish years into my career and then getting asked off a piece of business uh, because of my name and where I'm from. I think that that kind of came out of nowhere for me. And it just spun me for like months. I think that has to be the lowest. Hang on a sec. Somebody asked that you were taken off their account purely because yeah. 
what you looked like or what you were called. Yeah, no, I was working on that account for a while and I was uh, I was making good work and I think they just like didn't know. And when they kind of like were made aware, they felt a little tricked and they were, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people in the Midwest, dude. Yeah, so there's, you know, they called the agency and they're like, ah, oh, I think we want this dude off. And they, the agency didn't tell me. So when, by the time I found out, it was from like third party. And then it, it just, the way I found out was, one day I had a great meeting, everything's approved, everything's great, thank you for doing a great job. Next day, checking on the same thing, they were like, this is awful, I feel like you didn't even direct talent, like I feel like this is a talent problem, and I was just like, what is going on all of a sudden? And I had no idea, and they were like, oh, you know, just like maybe just sit on a client meetings for a second. And then I found out what happened, and I, I went like full business mode, and I just went in to my boss and said, hey, this is full, like I don't need you to do anything, I just... I'll just get off the account. Just put me on something like, you know, I don't want to make someone successful that doesn't like me either. So I'll just go do something else. But then I just started becoming like more and more background of a person generally. And then I was like, oh shit, I'm just never going to do that thing. I'm never going to run an account. I'm never going to run an agency period, but I'm never going to run an, even an account. Like what account could I run? New York Times? Like who's, who's going to be willing to let me do that? So I think when that happened and it happened internally too, I went for like a really big spiral because I think I had convinced myself that now my work was like, my, my work was that what matters or my resume was what mattered and, and everything I th in the past was past. Um, I think that really threw me for a loop. Like I was at just concerts, getting drunk in the corner, writing resignation letters for like months. Like just, I was, I was lost for a while. I was really lost. What a massive dent to your confidence. Was this early on in your career? Oh no! This is the reason Mojo Supermarket started. This, this is like this is the trigger point for. Yeah, I just after that I was like, I'm really good with clients, and that's kind of the thing, and like I'm really good at like actually working the work. And after that, when I became somewhat of like a background writer, I lost it kind of. Like I started losing my mind, and I was like, oh shit! I like moved here. I changed myself just so much to do this thing but you can't run away from it at all. Like there's no way you can change yourself enough for people to just be like, yeah, we're fine. And I'm, and I'm playing this game that's not really made for me. I need to go play my own game. And that sounds really like, you know, when you have nothing to lose is when you're like, say something stupid, like I'm going to start an agency. Like, you know, no, a copywriter, a senior copywriter has to be at the end of his rope for him to be like, you know what? Let's try something really stupid. Um, and it, it was the best, you know, the, the worst moments are the best moments, I guess. Yeah, well, good on you for, for bouncing back and recovering from it because, look, nine out of ten people would have just let that dent to their confidence dictate the rest of their career. And that's unfortunate because it's still happening, right? And sorry, yeah. you had to go through that. One question, and, and I, yeah. I hate to put you on the spot here, what did your, your your actual colleagues say, your peers, your boss that had to give you that news? Because surely they should have given you some sort of protection. I know that ideally you want them to say, well, actually, client, you can step off this this bit of business. Because they can't when it's $18 million, can they? Okay. It's, wow. But it's, still. Just, it's just unfortunate. You know, when those things happen, it's just unfortunate. And that's that's the answer you get. It's just unfortunate. And I think... Um, I went on vacation, I came back and, um, 
every, they gathered everybody on that account and every, every all the senior leadership and and me out of nowhere and they were like you know there's been a lot of word of like this client being um hard to deal with or, or racist or whatever i just want you to guys to know that it's not the case and i want you people listening to you guys so we want you to go tell everybody that that's not the case and i just was sitting in this meeting in disbelief and i was like you want me to just go lie to people so they continue working on this thing and that was the real moment where i was like because the problem the client is a client right they can say whatever they want and they can get what it's they're paying you money they can do whatever they want like and then it comes to you and saying do you want to work with these people as an agency but also as, a, as an individual um do you want to make people successful that absolutely hate you for no reason other than where your mom's born um and then it's up to you and when i saw that the agency system even my bosses or my friends were like oh yeah that kind of sucked man i'm so i didn't know about that i'm sorry i just didn't know about that and like i couldn't do anything about it or whatever that's when you're like oh shit they're in a way they're right like you know your values are your values unless it costs you something and i don't know if a lot of people i don't know if i would like you don't know if, if a lot of people stand by their values when it costs them something yeah it's the uh, the 18 million dollar question yeah I mean, even the, even the, like, I don't want to work on this thing or I don't, you know, I, we should have a conversation with them kind of thing. Um, I think you, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are great at supporting whatever they want to support with a like button on Facebook or whatever, but when it, cause it doesn't cost them anything or it doesn't like affect them in any way at all. I think that's the easiest way to support people when it doesn't affect you in any way. But I think even if it affects you tiniest bit that people are going to see you differently or it might, it's just a minor inconvenience. I bet you a lot of people would stop supporting the thing that they support. He, yeah, represents a huge disparity of power, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. But hey, you've created Mojo and now you can work with who you want to work with. Oh yeah, I, I recently wrote them a thank you letter. I like it just, this is the wow. best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, this is the craziest thing. Well, talking that's about awesome. then going from really low lows to positive outcomes which is what you did that yeah. step change and, and tell us then what you love about this this industry despite things like that happening to you dude i kind of love everything to be honest like um i love this what we're doing right now i love this like there's very very smart really kind really interesting intelligent people that you got get to talk to every day and i love that that's maybe my favorite part i think my second favorite part is like you get to work with those people to try to figure out how do you change the way people think about dating, about vaping, about the world, or just like as little as like about hockey or about just, you know, whatever, whatever you're working on. And that's really interesting. It's a combination of psychology and, and like art. And you're like, oh, we can use art to change the way people think. That's crazy. And we could do it with like so many different interesting brains. I think advertising has quite honestly the most interesting brains all smashed into one building um, and you get to jam with like, oh, a strategist plus a comm strategist plus like a designer in a room is like candy for me. Yeah. And I love that. It's amazing. The chemistry. And I saw that you bring a lot of your, you obviously, like you said, you talk on LinkedIn, like you talk in the pub and you bring a lot of yourself into your work, right? Because I read your post about dating and like your own experiences. So presumably, you know, working on fun briefs like that, you get to bring so much of yourself to work. I do now. I do now. You know, um, I gave a talk on this this weekend that 
you go into advertising with these really unique personalities. Like, you know, I'm a musician. I'm from Pakistan. I I have this, like, all these, well, I grew up through war. I like, they have these like, weird experiences. And you take them to an advertising agency. And then they're like, no. Like, you, you know, make the things that connect with the creative directors. And all the creative directors are from Connecticut dudes who went to um, film school or whatever and, like, connect that thing. So that's why... And then I'm trying to please this man and I'm trying to make like jokes that he understands. And like I'm referencing Star Wars, although I've never seen Star Wars. And I'm referencing like, you know, there's like seven advertising references. Talk to any woman in this industry who has been a creative. She'll tell you like, ah, these seven fucking references that I had to learn and say every day to like get ahead, you know. And then you're creating from 10 percent of who you are, which is why you're making shit work, which is like, you know, you're saying you're saying the 10 percent of you that you can show publicly and covering up everything else. Because this accent is fake. This name is fake. And you, you're like creating from this place. That's why all the ads are like 80s references and all these. They're like, watch the Super Bowl this weekend. It'll just be like people pleasing their creative director. Um, and then when I could take that jacket off and it's Mojo Supermarket, you know, you can sit in a room and be like, man, we're talking about working on a dating app. And you're like, you know what? Fuck, dude, dating sucks. And you, when you're older, dating sucks because you go to these fucking dinners and they people talk about how how are you still single? And that sounds like a compliment, but it's not. It fucking sucks. And it feels like I haven't that done anything. She could be vulnerable, right? And the other person could be like, shit, you know what? You've done so many things. And the third person could be like, yeah, man, adults date better. And like you get to real stuff that's like, yeah, adults do date better. You're right. And that doesn't happen. This never happened to me in any other place where you can just, if I, you know, if, if, if the copywriter who said that, like, hey, dating sucks. And like, I go to these dinner parties and it sucks. If she said that at any other agency, we would have walked out of that room like, yeah, Sarah's kind of crazy, huh? She's fucking, get, she's lost it a little bit. But that's where you, if you can be yourself and you can let yourself out, that's like how you make stuff that connects. Like you don't, when you see musicians pour their heart out into a studio, there's not people around them being like, oh, fucking weirdo. Why did you say that? Or do you know, there's just like not that environment. And I think when I found this environment, it was insane. It's like, it's the, it's the happiest I've ever been, personally. And is that a kind of environment, an attitude that you're actively trying to cultivate at the agency then? Are you, are you prioritizing that and making sure people bring their whole selves to work or is that just something that happened naturally? It is, it happened naturally and then I started cultivating it. It happened naturally for me and it started, it, it, then I started cultivating and I started learning how do you get there? Like, how do you get people there? How do I get myself there? What are the little things that I can do to make myself like, hey, it's okay. Just say the thing. No one, no one's going to fucking judge you here. It's okay. Just say it. Do it. Just do so, the thing. So you're leading by example and, and walking the talk. How, how do you, t if you take anyone, so say, say someone like yourself has applied for a job, they land the job at Mojo Supermarket and they are an X gray, X BBDO, X JWT, whatever initials you can you can find. They're and from Connecticut. Yeah, from Connecticut. We and they, Connecticut. they land in your agency and they are still in that box. Yeah. Have you have you experienced that? Have you what have you done to coax them out of it? It takes a while, dude. It, especially if the longer that they've been in that system, it's hard to train out. Like fresh people that have done it for like a year or two is easy to train out because they you know, they're not just fully like this way. Um, everyone, exp it just even like, let's not talk about identity at all. Let's talk about how you come up with ideas. 
I have an idea right now about something in my head and to materialize that to you in this podcast, I have ways of materializing. I can draw it to you. I can tell it to you, whatever, right? Like there's ways of me speaking it to you even. But since our creative directors understood ideas through scripts, we understood ideas through scripts. So I can tell you ideas only through scripts. So even if I'm coming up with an activation or if I'm coming up with like a, if I'm coming up with anything, I'm making a bus. I think of it as a, as a, dialogue first and then I tell it to you however the fuck I want to tell it to you that's even that you have to train out which is like um give an example I had a writer who was interviewing somebody and she was like oh we can't hire that person she thinks in scripts and I went back in my notes because I had notes on everyone like a doctor and I went back to Emily's the person was saying that Emily's notes and I was like day one Emily when she started I was like Emily thinks through scripts how do I change that and she had like come around in a year and be like, no, that person thinks like scripts, like I, I, we can't hire them. You can, you can You'll help. You'll be wiring them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds like I'm, uh, I'm Frankensteining them. But I'm, you know, it's just, a, I haven't done anything to be really honest. Like, it's just the space and when everybody can be yeah. as weird as like, man, creative people are weird people, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, if, have you ever hung out with a musician? Have you ever hung out, hung out with a rapper? They're fucking weird people. And we are too, but I think we've like so suited up and like same thing with you. Like, wow, you fuck, you sound interesting on LinkedIn. Like, no, you just sound we just sound like people. Yeah. And because we've like suited up so much in these meetings that we're like, we sound like robots. That's why every ad. Have you ever have you have you seen our ad late, lately? Like, you just walk by a billboard and what it says, and you're just like, the fuck? It, how who talks like that? It it just sounds like a robot talking to another robot. Um, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> AI is writing like more human shit than copywriters are writing, you know? And it, it's just like, what does this mean? Like, be yourself with the way you are. Yeah, sure. Thanks, ad. Um, it's it's that way because we've just been like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Just like someone with a stick whacking you over the head constantly. And then, and even in your skill set, you come in, you can make movies, you can edit, you can make music, you can do all these things. But as soon as like, oh, should I edit that? And someone whacks you with a stick and said, you're not the editor. Someone whacks you the stick and like, you're not the art director, you're a copywriter. And you do that enough times, your fucking monkey brain gets this small and you're just like, yeah. the thoughts you can think of are very limiting all of a sudden. And I don't, I don't do like surgery on them to get anyone better. It's just you come in this environment, you relax and you like see other people that are inspiring to you and it happens automatically. I wish I could take credit of like, I'll have a process on that, but it just happens when you're in Mo, do you think then the like a place of without getting too psychological, but of, of sci psychological trust? Do you think that is the best spark or, or best foundation for creativity? Hundred percent. To talk to any music producer, they'll say the same thing. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. I think it is. It it's that, and it's also we revere people so much that run the agency, right? Or we revere like. That's why Culture of Leads, David Droga's place, is trying to please David Droga, right? So they're right things that, even subconsciously, he's not, he's just gone now, but they subconsciously are trying to write beautiful films, like beautiful things that like David Droga would have liked. Like I worked with a creative director and I was presenting scripts to him once and I was like, okay, so we start with a guy with a parachute, right? And he's like, no, no parachute. And I was like, why? And he's like, Jerry Graff once told me no parachute like we can't do parachutes and i was like so you have sworn off parachutes because jerry graff once told you 
no parachutes. <laughs> but that guy was so ingrained with Jerry Graff that he was trying so hard to be Jerry Graff that he couldn't be him. Oh, God. Imagine the ideas that he could come up with if, like, dad wasn't, like, whacking him in the head constantly. And I'm sure Jerry didn't mean to do that at all, but, like, that's how we learn things. So I think if you can go to a place where I think... I hope, this is my opinion maybe, it's hard to, like, I'm just this, like, tall Pakistani stoner walking around, and it's just, like, hard to be like, oh, I need to please that person. So it's like, if you're not a person, if you're not, I don't think, I don't know, it's hard to say, but, like, I don't think I'm very, like, oh, shit, let's please that guy. Maybe it is, maybe people do do that and try to come up with it. It's the worst thing, isn't it, people pleasing, especially in this business. Now, moving on. Yeah. Um, and I think we may have referred to some of this in our in that previous uh, previous five minutes. But tell us what you what you hate then about the industry. What's not working? I think um, I think we're making stuff every day. I think if you're in advertising and marketing, you're making stuff every day. You're looking at stuff every day that you're making, and deep in your subconscious mind or conscious mind, you can look at it and say. Yeah, if this thing showed up in my feed, I would fucking swipe it away immediately. Like, this thing would not work. But you were making it. We're spending time making it. And nobody's saying anything. You know? Nobody's, like, questioning, like, yeah, is this going to work? Like, this sounds weird. And we're making it because we're making it. We have to make it. We, there's a list of deliverables that we have to make because that list of deliverables in it is in the scope that we sold them. And we need to make more money um, because somebody told us we need more revenue. So it's just, like... It's a robot industry doing robot things, and I think that's gonna that is catching up already, right? Um, I think I hate that, but that's going away, which is really nice. Yeah, it's just wallpaper at the end of the day, isn't it? And things like AI, whether or not that has a a tangible impact on the the actual work, the output, uh, soon or sooner or later, is is going to be interesting. But to your point about business needs or revenue goals driving that need to make more wallpaper that people they're not actually even rejecting they're just ignoring it which is arguably yeah. worse than even looking at it for for even a millisecond so how do how do we get around that i think it's going to be hard because agencies are owned by people that don't know how to do the work or run by people that have so here's the thing if I'm, if I'm, agencies are usually run by business people who came from the account background, which is amazing. Like, it's not that there's nothing wrong with that. But the way their contracts are structured, they have a revenue goal. So you make 20 million now, we want you to make 30 million tomorrow, right? And then you make 30 million this year, we need to make 60 million next year because the behemoth wants to make more money. And that makes sense. I own a business, I would love more money. Um, and when you have that, that person's like, I need to turn 20 to 30. So your goal isn't to make the work any better or make your client successful. Your goal is to add more revenue and add more bodies and add more revenue and add more bodies. You're just building human pyramids. You're not building interesting businesses. So you're not even in making interesting work, but you're also not in making interesting businesses. Like all the agencies do the same thing. What does BBDO do that the gray doesn't? Like can you can you fundamentally describe gray and BBDO and JWT run stuff? What? Is that the one that got Wonderman Thompson? Wonderman Thompson. Wonderman Thompson, BBDO, great. Tell me the difference between that. It's hard, right? So that's because it's human pyramids. They're not interesting companies. Tell me the difference between Apple and Netflix. Huge fucking difference. Because they're run by creatives. Because they're interesting. Like, they're interesting. you know, 
they're like making business. They're trying to make interesting business instead of like growing this tower of bodies and cash. Uh, and that's what like, if you don't make an interesting, if you're just making like, we need to push out, hey, nobody gives a shit about how good the pizza is. We just need to make shit ton of pizza. Eventually, people are going to be like, yeah, this pizza kind of sucks, huh? Mm. And then... And improve and then the margins on that pizza, right? Yeah, and if every every pizza shop on the block is making the same exact pizza for the same amount price with the same people, the people are just like moving back and forth that are making the pizza. It's just like, I'm living in the fucking matrix. It's the, all the people are the same, all the work is the same, all, it's cost the exact same. And uh, I don't, like, it feels like the matrix. So, but then there's interesting things like, you know, there's interesting shops now that are independent that are run by people that like, that, you know, this is, this is proof that I, this is true, that I've been trying to hire a um, business development person. Every single person that comes in is like, what is the growth goal? And I say, not none. And I say, there's no, I want to stay the exact same revenue as this year, but I just want to get to the end of the year and say my, our work this year was better than last year. Most people have left that interview immediately. It's like, I have, I don't know, understand what you're saying. They can't compute that. They were like, my bonus is tied to a growth goal. I'm like, I don't have growth goals. And they're just like, this man's crazy. This, he doesn't want to, he does not a good business plan. But a good business person, like, think of, this is what, this is why that, that, that's built that way. Because we used to grow and you could take 20, 20 million to 200 million. Then you could sell to somebody, right? Because you have more bodies and more revenue coming in because you, you could sell it. But now you can't. And every agency owner who is like, oh, I'm going to add more people and more cash and then sell it is absolutely delusional because no one's going to buy creative agencies because they can make them now and brands can make them now. So you have to build an interesting company. And I don't think anyone is, I don't think a lot of people are building an interesting company. I think people are still stuck in like, David Droga sold for half a billion dollars. If I just have enough bodies in the room, I will sell it to David Droga. And you talk to David Droga, he's like, I will never buy a creative agency again because I can just make one. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the venture capital startup world, isn't it? They yeah. you see the headline stories, you see the tech crunch headlines about people raising or selling unicorns, billion dollar valuation valuation yeah. and exits, but they are the very small minority out of a whole ton of businesses that are either just going to struggle or die. And so what you're saying is that actually agencies are also now in that in that situation yeah. and I mean, getting Martin, acquired is not a, a, a viable or likely outcome. Unless you have an interesting business, right? Like Martin Sorrell, hate him or love him. I'm on one side of that. He's not a dude. He doesn't care about creative, but he makes, he's made an interesting business again, isn't he? Because he's bought interesting things and combined them. And it's like interesting. Exactly. It's an interesting business. So you can't hate that, but then a, a creative agency that's just like, we have 600 people. But yeah, you lose two accounts, then you have 300 people. That means you're not an interesting business. You know, it's just you have business right now. Yeah. But Mo, that is quite radical saying, sorry, I don't mean to, but no, you saying um, you've got no growth goals, right? That's a very unconventional uh, opinion, right, for an agency. You stick by that. You Mojo Supermarket is about better work. What 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 are the goals then? Better output, better creative. I, I mean, there's there's stuff we're innovating on, right? So we're making we're there's a few things we're innovating in original content, which we're, we're 
get into maybe even a later date, but we're starting that. There's tech innovation that's happening. We can get into that at a later date too. Like, we have to make this an interesting business. Why do people come here? It can't just be like, oh, because they have good creatives there. That should be the number one goal. But then there has to be like, oh, their process and their technology is interesting or the way they do this is interesting. Um, There has to be arms that are like interesting that aren't just the race to the yeah. the top of how many people we can get in. And for you then, how do you set some form of benchmark around that? Because obviously interesting could be interpreted in so many different ways. Is that down to the quality of the work? And then if it's the work, what's your your measure for that? Is it awards or is it your own opinions? Is it the client's opinions? How do you, How are you going to get to the end of a year and say, right, this was a successful year? Yeah, there's a group of there's a group of internal and external creatives and other people that we like think have our handle on this that will judge the work at the end of the year and say this year was as good as or better than last year. And I think if the answer is yes, we can grow. If the answer is no, then then we maybe can't. Got it. And do you you say growth isn't a goal? I'm curious about this because you're definitely an outlier in terms of a business owner that doesn't want growth. Do you have some other form of kind of business metric at least to say, we don't want to grow, but we also, we don't want to make a loss or we don't want to make this much profit versus this much profit. Growth is a goal, but it's so tiny. Like what, just we, how you, how you quantify growth, right? Um, If I ask you what your goal is personally for next year and you're like, I just want to get a year older or I just want to make like 10,000 more dollars. That's different than if you say, okay, I want to um, get fitter and I want to have a successful relationship and I want to have a successful relationship with my family and whatever, right? Like that's a different type of growth. I could call both of those growth. So we have business metrics that are, there's a couple um, interesting new innovations that we're working on if they are finished or the progress is made by this year, that's growth to us. Um, there's types of work that we want to do that if we can get there, that's growth to us. Um, there's people we want to work with. There's people like we want to work with externally, but there's people like there's people that we want to work with and like we want to bring on. If we can bring those people on, that's growth to us. Um, growth is still a goal, but hopefully if we just go, if if the goal is just revenue, the revenue is fleeting because it's overall shrinking in the whole industry, but also it's fleeting, man. Like today we have, today we can get Popeye's tomorrow, Popeye's can go away and then we can get McDonald's. Like it's just in, you cannot predict that. Yeah. If that's the foundation that you're trying to build on, it's, it's pretty shaky, isn't it? Whereas if you're setting goals, like the ones that you're talking about, which are about talent, they're about quality of work, then that's a far, stronger position to build on and hopefully revenue growth fiscal growth whatever you want to call it is the byproduct of that right same yeah give me give me give you an analogy like netflix if their only goal is subscriber count and amount of movies they put out they will go out of business because the subscriber count is there because they have interesting things so netflix just got into gaming no hardware software game fucking brilliant right so if they keep innovating there more people will come play those games. And then their subscriber count is like the, the end thing. 
that goes out. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling you're doing it the right way. <laughs> I hope so. I haven't been doing this long, so I could be completely wrong. Let's let's stay tuned for sure. A new set of metrics, yeah, for sure. This industry is very obsessed with growth. Also, creative growth. Like, how do we measure work? How do we measure creative work? Yeah. Is like I am. I I run an agency. I've never seen a dashboard. No creative has seen a dashboard. No strategist has seen a dashboard. Some external data company talks to the client, who talks to our strategist, who somehow tries to synthesize that and says, "Oh, people find our work like." a little cringy or whatever. Like they'll say something like nine Chinese whispers later, we'll get this thing and the creator's like, okay, what do I do with that? I don't know what to do with that. So, but but it's it's not based on long-term changing your mind. The way we measure work is somebody sits in a booth and somebody with a lab coat like shows them a slide and says, what do you think about this? Is it A, B or C? And they're like, C, dude, just give me my money so I can leave. And it's like, it doesn't, now all the platforms are changing how they measure work. TikTok, Facebook, everything, they're going off this new technology called econometrics, and that's the future. So we're changing a lot of this industry, actually. It's just, it's taking, it's taken a while to get to a point. I think the whole industry got to there getting fired uh, from a client point that I did, and everyone's like, oh, shit, let's make something interesting. Let's go do something cool now. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors. Massive Music is a global music agency and partner for some of the world's leading brands and agencies. With 10 offices worldwide and over two decades of expertise, they deliver everything you need in the field of music, voice and sound, from sonic branding and activations to music for commercials and licensing. Just to name a few, Massive Music works with clients such as Heineken, Nike, The North Face, Philips and Colgate. They also provided the music for this very podcast. On top of being a lovely bunch, they're an official sound partner for brands on TikTok. And since 2021, they're part of Song Trader, the world's largest B2B music company. Their ultimate goal is to combine musical craft with strategy to elevate your project or campaign through the power of music in sound, which, if you ask us, is oh so needed in the advertising world of today. If you're interested, send an email to lovehatecreate at massivemusic.com so they know you came through us. Needless to say, they're all ears. So we're already talking about how you're doing things differently, but why don't you tell us a bit more about what you would create then, whether that be change, a new way of working, a new way of thinking in order to ensure that the future's bright, not just for your own agency, but for for the industry as a whole? I think we have to get back to changing the way people think long-term about something, whatever you're working on, right? So not just, I think our creatives are different. Our creatives aren't just trying to like make fancy movies. They're trying to change the way people think about something, whether that's cultural or, or whatever. So I think we will get back to that. We will make technology based on that. We will make work based on that. We will try new verticals based on that. Like, how do we effectively change the way people think using creativity? Um, I think we will, in the last part, which is like, this is fun, man. I start, started off the top of this saying, this is absolutely a ride. This is like, it's insanely fun. And we want to get back to that. We want the environment to be that. Our, our clients are like fans of us. We're fans of them. Right, so like we made the money toilet thing, this is the weird, dumb product we launched, and our clients bought most of them. Our clients were like, this is hilarious, and they bought them, and that's all you know, they're fans of us and we're fans of them. So 
just creating an environment where we can have fun again and also creating work that changes the way people think. Um, if you want to get tactical about it, I think comm strategy will be a huge part. Media strategy will be a huge part because I think we don't, we just kind of create this big thing and then somebody goes and like finds places to jam it into people's heads. And we don't think of like, oh, where's this person going to be? How do I do that? So very te technical way of like, that's going to be huge. I think the whole industry is going to be huge shit. Already two comm strategists are head of strategy in big places like five years ago strategy calm strategists are like what the fuck are these guys doing here um that will be a huge change um i think just getting back to like the basics of having fun changing people's minds for the benefit of our listeners tell us about this money toilet thing you just mentioned yeah we um we i made a super bowl commercial a long time ago and um Everybody Very topical, right? It's about to, about to yeah. Come and I was, I, I didn't grow up here. I didn't know what Super Bowl was, so I didn't know like the, the, what do you call it? The like, like cool factor about it, really. And I made a Super Bowl commercial. Everybody came to my house to watch the Super Bowl commercial because I had made a Super Bowl commercial. And uh, as it was about to come on, I was like panicking, and I went to the bathroom and I was like, I'm just gonna stay in here because I did not want to watch it one more time. And I was like, these, it's like not that great. You know, to watch it, to pay like $9 million to w make all of America watch it. Because um, if you didn't pay anybody anything, nobody would watch it. It wasn't that good of a commercial. Um, and uh, so. A proud moment for you. Not a proud moment for me. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it made me realize that, like, by the way, great Super Bowl commercials are great. I've watched Imported from Detroit in Detroit, and I watched a whole city just like trauma just fell to the floor um so our belief is like most most companies making super bowl commercials are wasting their money so we created a money toilet which is a faster easier way to waste your cash it's just a toilet you can flush your money in and we made this two years ago and ran it as a super bowl commercial for us and this year because it's a recession year and it's budgets are smaller we made a money toilet mini which is just like a palm sized toilet that you can flush your money down uh, and we just launched that, and uh, we and they like, sold out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sold out now, um, and it's it's hilarious, right? Like it's like it's just fun, and I think people who get like Cindy Gallup bought the first one, our clients bought some. Like people who get it are like, yes, I've been trying to say this for a while. Hilarious, and you it actually aired during the Super Bowl. Uh, our first time, the actual first money toilet we bought local spot, um, and aired it. Oh, incredible! Oh gosh. Hilarious. People are getting very um, excited about this toilet. I mean, there's a lot of chat about it. Um, thank you so much, Mo. My last question for you, yeah. then. Um, we're going to fast forward 10 years from now. Where do you think our industry will be? That's such a good question. Early. Down the toilet? No, I think it'll be fun. I'm very positive on this whole thing. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun again. I think there'll be the Amazons, and then there will be the supermarket bodegas. The Amazons are, like, efficient. They get you shit to your door, like, of marketing. Like, that's what that's what um, Martin Sorrell is running, right? And it's, like, big, you fucking just, you know, big scale, easy. You have an app, shows up in a brown box. And then there'll be like these exciting things that 
you know exactly what they do, you know exactly how they do it. Um, and I think the middle places, like I named, like all the indistinguishable people will go away and for good measure. And I think it'll be exciting. I think advertising will look nothing like it does today because all the things that you don't think are advertising, like Elon Musk going on Joe Rogan smoking weed is advertising. And it's like the most advertising advertising gets. Um, everything that you don't think is advertising will turn into advertising. It'll be the most exciting time ever. So like a huge blurring of the lines, but then still your your big box ad firms that are, are there for your, your your strong and safe type corporations or brands. Yeah, it'll be interesting ways to change the way people think or entertain people. And I think we'll get out of our like Excel sheet checkboxes. We need a Super Bowl thing and we need a teaser for that and we need a, another teaser for that. And we need like, like all of that shit will go away. Hopefully, I read this my hope. And I think we'll just start being interesting again. You know, the last thing, I'll, last way I'll describe it, I've described this this way a hundred times, is like, you go, to a, you go to a bar and you pay everybody to listen to you. That's what advertising is and has been, right? You spend one minute and one dollar trying to think of what you want to say. And then you go out and you pay everybody to listen to you. And now it's different. Now you just have to be the more, most interesting person in the bar. And I think that's the most exciting thing that could ever happen to our industry. Now you have to be interesting. Holy shit. That's fuck. I love it. And do you think we smoking weed made Elon Musk more interesting? Is that the paradigm? I think I think it made him you know, people say like, well, Tesla doesn't do advertising. I was like, Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like when he sends satellites to a country that's that's having trouble or like when he sends batteries to hospitals or when he smokes weed on Joe Rogan, like all of that is advertising. I think it made him interesting in an interesting way, right? Like it made him, it made, oh, is he about, is he like Jeff Bezos and he just wants to ruin the world? And what, what like, is he like Jeff Bezos? No, he's not because he was smoking weed on Joe Rogan and talking about weird shit. So it places him, right? It, that's what we do. We, we place people in our heads and we place companies in our head and it placed him in a place that it wanted to be. Lost share price, like lost huge share price that day. But also remember when Nike did the Colin Kaepernick ad, they lost share price too. And look at them now. So you have to constantly um, find the place in somebody's brain that you occupy as a brand or as a person or whatever. And he's doing that. He's constantly doing that. It's buying Twitter for to do that. You know, he's just doing random things. He's making hardcore Twitter just to, just to like try to keep his place in people's brains. Um, I think... And it's interesting. He's not paying media money. He's like not buying media for you to do that. He's just doing it. And I think that's crazy. Love him or hate him. There's people who absolutely love him and people absolutely hate him. And I think that's what people, that's what normal people are like, right? Like Amar, you're the most likable person I think I've talked to. There's people who don't like you. And that's because you're a real person. And I think that's, that's what will start to happen more. And it's so fun, man. Like, Anything could be an ad. This weird colored background in this video is an is is an ad for me in some way. I didn't plan it, but it is affecting me, right? Um, I think so, now you're like, okay, shit. Anything can be anything. Then that's yeah, fine. yeah. The greatest advertising isn't advertising at all, and exactly. we'll only see that. Yeah, it's just life. So watch out. <laughs> yeah, brilliant.
Mo, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been Thank amazing. You. That was a, a, a real whirlwind. So much value and, and really interesting insight packed into that. It's been great to have you. Thank you so much. We could do this all day. We'll do this again when, when I'm in London.